I'm on the top of a mountain in the city of Petra, Jordan. It's 3,000 feet above sea level. In fact, we had to climb 1,000 feet up to get to this place. This is a high place. Not because it's on top of a mountain, but because it's a place of worship, a place where sacrifices were made to false gods, a place where pigs and goats and sheep and babies were killed to try and call upon the blessings of these false gods. And time and time and time again, God said, it's the evil one who's trying to steal and kill and destroy, but it's, it's me who's trying to bring you life and life to the full. If you worship false gods, you'll never find what you're looking for. And so he told his people to not worship false gods. He told his leaders to destroy the high places. In fact, in Psalm 115, he says, look at the gods that you're worshiping are gods made with your own hands. I mean, they have eyes that you've made, but they cannot see. They have ears that you've crafted, but they cannot hear. You need to get rid of them. And then he calls upon the house of Aaron. And that's interesting here because behind me on the mountain is the tomb of Aaron. One of the founders of our faith, the first high priest of Israel, the brother of Moses. And yet in the shadow of his tomb is this high place. And the question we have to ask is, why is this here when God told his people to destroy it and they had the capacity to do it? What does it mean? And what does it mean for us? We're talking about the faith that was delivered to us from Moses and Aaron. And so what relevance does it have to us? How can we take the journey of faith? if we, like so many before us, let the high places remain in our lives. And the reason I can still sit on this high place, the reason it still exists, is because what's true for us was true for them, the founders of our faith. Trust is easy to talk about and write about. It's difficult to truly live out. But it's when we live it out that we experience God's best. High place, it's not really a phrase you hear very often in our 21st century world, right? Kind of bizarre language. And yet, though unfamiliar to our language, the high place concept is extremely familiar to our lives. Because what a high place refers to is simply what we tend to elevate in our lives. A high place is talking about what we hold in high esteem, what ultimately is that which we value. A high place is what we look to for help and purpose and provision. It's what we look to for what we're going to believe and value and where we're going to find hope. And like it or not, every single one of us has a high place or high places. And the reason is simple. We were all designed as human beings to absolutely need something bigger than ourselves. We need a higher power. And if we're really going to understand this issue of high place, then we have to absolutely understand that we were created with a need for God, with an absolute need for God. There's no escaping that. We can 
claim we don't even believe in him, that we don't come from him, but that doesn't change the reality that we have a deep need to belong to, to have something bigger than ourselves, something that we can venerate and lift up, and someone we can look to who will lift us up and provide us meaning. We were created with an absolute need for God. We can't genuinely live apart from him. We're incomplete without him. We need him to genuinely know purpose and meaning and contentment and fulfillment, to find wisdom and direction and hope in this world. That's what Jesus is talking about in John 15, 5, when, when he says he's the source of life, and if we're not attached to him, we don't have life. He says it this way, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If anyone remains in me and I in him, then they'll bear much fruit. They're going to be fully alive. They're going to experience all that God designed them to experience. But apart from me, Jesus says, you can do nothing. We have an absolute need for God. It's part of our wiring and design. And yet, let's be honest. Most people aren't in relationship with the one true God. Most people aren't living for sacrificing for, lifting up, following, finding their meaning and purpose in the one true God. That's not what they're looking to. That's not where they're at. The majority of people don't know God. Jesus said, broad's the way that leads to destruction. That's the road most are on. Very few are on the road that leads to life. It's just the reality. And so if we're created with an absolute need for God and yet many are disconnected from God, what, what happens in their life? Well, Those who don't know God, because of their need for him, ultimately have to replace him. And so those who don't need God are literally, by the nature of their design, by by the reality of their wiring, they're forced to replace him. Because they need a higher power. They need something bigger than themselves, outside of themselves, to look to. They, They desperately need something to lift up, to devote themselves to to worship. They desperately need something in their lives because of how they've been designed at creation to lift them up, to provide for them, to give them meaning in life. They need something to live for. And so what they have to do is they have to create their own God or gods. Very often it's plural because they're looking for different things to meet different areas of their need. But but whatever they do, they're making the God up. And this is what you have to understand. I mean, they need to worship. They're going to worship something. They need something bigger than themselves, so they're going to lift something like that up. But, but in the end, if it's not the one true God, the only God that can fulfill that role, they're making their gods up. They're making something that's not a God to be God in their life, which is always going to end poorly. And then along with all the gods that they invented back in the days of the Old Testament... People back then also created these places where they would worship those gods. And these are the places that we're looking at this weekend. These are the places called high places. And they were perversions of everything God intended for us in worship. They were perversions of everything God meant to be an outlet for our spiritual lives. And this is why very often these high places were places that that you couldn't even find a rating for to put on a movie screen or a television screen these days. They were absolutely sexually deviant places in the name of worship. They were absolutely dysfunctional and destructive places, very dark places. And yet they were their places of worship. 
And it led people further and further away from the life that God created for them because fake gods can never lead you to a real place. Gods without life can never lead you to the life that you're looking for. And, and so when you replace the one God that can give you life and fullness, you only have emptiness left. These high places where even babies were murdered in the name of worship provide a really good picture of the reason for the commands God gave us about worshiping him. You know, all you have to do is turn to Exodus chapter 20 and God gives you his, his big 10 list, you know, his great commands. And in Exodus chapter 20 verses 3 through 5, he, he kind of starts it off with a huge bang. And this, was, this is what he says, you shall have no other gods before me. God says, those who know him need to worship him exclusively. I mean, that's what the, the first of the great commands is. Those who know me need to worship me exclusively. I am your source of life. Worship me so that you can experience life. And then God goes further in Exodus 20. Not only shall you have no other gods before me, but you shall not make for yourself any idol, any false god, little g, in the form of anything. Not in heaven above or on the earth beneath or in waters below. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. Don't lift anything up to be your God. Lift me up because I'm your God. That was the command. A lot of people think, wow, that sounds really narrow. I mean, why is God limiting us so much? I mean, how come just him? Is he that small? No, he's that big. And it goes even further with God. He says, not only should you never worship any replacement God, but you need to destroy any place devoted to a worship of those gods, those high places. Look what he says in Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 2. Destroy completely all the places on the high mountains and on the hills and under every spreading tree where the nations you are dispossessing worship their gods. He says, you're going to come into a land where people didn't know me. And so what they had to do, because they were wired to worship God, to need me, and yet they've, they've walked away from me, what they've done is they've replaced me with all these false gods, sometimes the sun, sometimes the moon, sometimes, well, I mean, you name it, weird things that they made into God, and, and they're going to have all kinds of places of worship devoted to this, some on mountains and some under trees, but you need to destroy those places. Because if you don't worship me, the author of life, you'll never find the life you're looking for. If you replace me, you're replacing me with that which isn't a God. You will regret it. And so destroy these high places. Why did God teach them this? He taught them this to protect them. I mean, it wasn't to hinder them and to diminish them. It wasn't to take away from them. It wasn't to limit their options or take away their freedom. It was to give them all those things. God wanted them to worship only him and to destroy the high places wherever they were in order to protect them. Look at Psalm 115, verse 8. This is the passage that talks about you fashion your own gods out of silver and gold. I talked about it in the video where you know you fashion them with eyes, but those eyes can't see. You fashion them with ears, but those ears can't hear. Those gods are make-believe. Those gods are fake. Look at Psalm 115, verse 8. Those who make These kind of gods, those who replace me with fake gods will be like them. And so will all who trust in them. God says, you don't want to worship false gods because that will lead you to a false life. If you worship an inanimate God, you'll get nothing from that God. If you worship an empty God, you'll only get emptiness from that God. You'll be like them. If you worship 
someone who's false and fake, then you're going to become someone who's false or fake. You need to eliminate these places. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. If you leave these places there, they will ultimately influence you and take you down. And that's exactly what happened back then. So God said, don't worship anyone but me and destroy all the high places devoted to worship any other God but me. And he did it to protect them, but he also did it for another reason. He did it to bless them. He wanted to bless them. Now, it's interesting, I find, in our language structure today, the word bless is starting to creep back into everyday vernacular. I'm hearing newscasters say it sometimes. I'm hearing it on sitcoms, for goodness sake, and movies. And this word bless is starting to creep back in to our societal language. But it used to be locked in the church, right? Bless. And it's because it's a word that only God can ultimately do in us and for us. It's a word about completing us. It's a word about satisfying us. It's a word about giving us contentment and meaning and significance in life. And look what God says in Psalm 1-1. Blessed, happy, content is the one who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of the mockers. So God tells us, you've got to only worship me. Don't replace me. And you've got to destroy all places of false worship because ultimately what's going to happen is you're going to fall to them and you'll rob yourself of blessing. Okay, so we've got the setup. We're made with this absolute need for God. Those who don't know that God will replace him. And, And so God says, worship me exclusively. Destroy anything contrary to me as far as in your life, these forms of worship. And yet... I showed you in the video. We've taken groups from Northridge. The high places still exist over there. They're in the, literally in the shadow of Aaron's tomb is this high place we sat on. And it, there are all kinds of them over there. And this is the place that God gave to Israel. This is the place where they had power to turn it into everything he desired for it to be. And yet, after all of their time there, this high place is still there and so you've got to ask yourself a question if you're going to get to the ultimate point of this you gotta go since god made it clear they were only supposed to worship him and since god made it clear they were supposed to destroy all the high places devoted to worshiping false gods why do the ancient high places still exist in the holy land why do they still exist there why was i able to sit on the altar where they used to burn babies to false gods When Israel could have clearly removed it long ago, why is it there? Well, the obvious answer is because they didn't obey him, right? I mean, he said to worship him only. They didn't do it. He said to remove the high places. They didn't do it. They obviously didn't obey him. But there's a more important question, and this is big, because we all find ourselves in the same circumstances. We all, too, have issues with obeying him. There are many things that he said to us that we are finding ourselves in a wrestling match with God about. Should I do this or shouldn't I do this? It doesn't feel like this is going to get me anywhere in our world. And most people don't value this. And does this have to be a value to me? And, and we're wrestling with this issue of obedience. And so more important than the reality that, yes, they didn't obey him, move on, is why didn't they obey him? And I'm going to point out two reasons that I believe form the basis for helping us to evaluate ourselves. And the first reason is this. The reason those high places still exist over there, the reason they didn't obey God in this very clear matter he commanded them, was first of all because many of God's people didn't genuinely believe in him in the first place. 
And that sounds pretty funny, doesn't it? Many of God's people didn't genuinely believe in him. I mean, that's odd. How can you be God's people but not genuinely believe in him? And yet that's exactly what they were. Let me prove it and then I'll explain it. Look at Jeremiah 7.31. They have built the high places of Topheth in the valley of Ben-Hinnom to burn their sons and daughters in the fire. I mean, don't just read that sentence without being horrified by it. I mean, they're building these places of worship where they're throwing their sons and daughters on the fire in the name of sacrificing to these replacement gods, these perverted, dysfunctional replacement gods they've bought into, they believe in in their lives. And then God throws in this phrase, this is something I did not command, nor did it even enter my mind. Of course not. The one true God who authors life wouldn't be the God who asks us to destroy life in the name of life. It's ridiculous. But what you need to see about these people is these were people called God's people. These were people who claimed to live under God's word. These are people who claimed to follow Moses and his writings in the the first five books of the Bible. These are people who claimed to follow the prophets who were proclaiming truths of God. These were people who went to their worship centers of the day and who lived according to the traditions of their particular religious affiliations. And they were God's people. And yet, what does it say? They weren't just going to other people's high places. They were building their own high places now where they were sacrificing their sons and daughters something God couldn't even comprehend. What does that tell you? They didn't believe in God. That's why they weren't building his worship centers. They believed in these false gods and they were building those and worshiping there. Why? Because they didn't believe in him. How does that work? Look at just because... You call yourself a child of God doesn't mean you are a child of God. Just because you are called a Christian, a Christ follower, doesn't mean you even believe in the one true Christ. Many people call themselves Christians, but they're making up their own version of Jesus. Many people say they follow God's truth, but they're rewriting his truth. These people were born in the culture of God's people. These people were raised in the traditions and rituals of God's culture. These people were taught the truth from an early age, but they didn't even believe in that one true God. They were believing in these false gods and building worship centers to him. There's another reason they didn't wipe out these high places. Not only was, were there some who didn't genuinely believe in him, but there were some, many, of God's people who didn't fully trust him. Now they believed in him. They accepted that he was the only God. They weren't going to these worship centers or building these high places, but they didn't fully trust him. So they weren't tearing them down either. Turn to second Kings and I'll read to you about Joash, but there were multiple Kings that did the exact same thing. Look at second Kings chapter 12 verses two through three. Joash who became one of the kings of God's people, did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Starts off pretty good, doesn't it? He did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Man, this guy was doing pretty well. And he did this all the years of Jehoiada, the priest who instructed him. He was being mentored by this spiritual guardian for a while. When the spiritual guardian went away, he kind of went nuts. But for a while, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. But look at the next sentence, verse 3. The high places, these places where false gods are worshipped, the high places, however were not removed. The people continued to offer sacrifices and burn incense there. Now whenever someone says, you know, this person 
really loves Jesus. This person really is living his truth. But there's always a problem there. And that's what's going on with Joash. Unlike those who are building high places and sacrificing their children to, to the fire and living for the gods of the world, not even believing in God, Joash believed in the one true God. And Joash was going to the right worship centers and doing the right things. But yet he wasn't doing what God said. What did God say? Destroy the high places. He was a king who had the power to destroy the high places. He didn't. Why? Because he didn't fully trust God. He didn't fully trust that God meant everything he said. And so he says, you know, I'm not going to go there, but, you know, it's no big thing that they exist, really. Now, the minute he said that it's no big thing that they exist, it's okay that they stay there as long as I don't go there. What's he doing? He's saying he knows more than God. He's saying that he can decide things on his own. He's not fully trusting God. He's kind of dismissing some of the things God says is now being irrelevant. And I understand, because I'm in a role of leadership, that sometimes making tough decisions is something you want to avoid. And I'm going to tell you, if, you, if you're the king of Israel, and there are people who really believe in these false gods, and they've built high places, and they're so committed that they're willing to sacrifice their children on the fire, these people really are big time committed to that deal. And what happens if the king comes along and says, hey, I'm tearing down your worship center, and you can't worship those gods anymore. Is everybody going to go, oh, okay. No, it's going to be fight time it's going to be conflict it's going to be war you know what he's going to do he's going to have problems on his hands because he took a stand you know what he's going to do he's going to have to fight he's going to lose friends not everyone's going to love him there's going to be losses people are going to question him because there's all kinds of struggling in the land all because he's doing something that really who cares if they're doing that over there i'm not doing that i'll tell you who cares god cares because god said destroy them He didn't say keep all the people on your team. He didn't say make sure everyone likes you in the end. He didn't say keep everyone comfortable. He didn't say keep the struggle to a minimum in your kingdom. He said obey me. Destroy these places. But he didn't do it. He took the easy route. Why? Because though he believed in God, he didn't fully trust him. Now can I just give you a reality? Because so far, this is really easy because we're talking about other people. This is really easy. We're talking about those people back then who didn't even have iPhones. Who cares? But here's the reality you need to understand. The same is true today. This same thing's going on. Not out there somewhere, but in here with us. These same wrestling matches, these same problems are going on today did you know there are many today who are called Christians but who don't even believe in Christ they were born Christians they were raised Christians they went to catechism their parents had them baptized they did their first communion they just don't believe in Christ I know this. I mean, I talk to people all the time. I remember this one guy, I mean, unbelievably classy guy, extremely successful. And we were having a conversation. He found out I was a pastor of an evangelical large church. And he goes, 
do you really believe all that stuff? And I went, no, they just pay me to say I do. Come on, stupid, right? I really believe it. And he goes, that's really weird. And then he started telling me about his life. You know, I was, I've been raised in a church and... Um, and he goes, I love my church. I'm still a member of it today. In fact, I'm a leader. I'm, a, I'm an officer in our church. And he said, and I, I love the rituals and I love the songs and I love the culture and I love the people. I'm just an agnostic. What the crap? <laughs> I love everything about Christianity except I don't believe in Jesus. It's all over the place. Just look around. Churches are filled with people who love the culture of Christianity, the music of Christianity, the idea of Christianity. They just don't embrace the truth of Christianity. It's killing us. I mean, it's killing us. It was going on then, it's going on today. Many of God's people today, called Christian, they believe in him. They're not agnostic, but they don't fully trust him. I mean, they, they decide whether what God said is good for them or not. There are many who call themselves Christians. They say, I am going to follow my culture. I am going to follow political correctness. And I will decide whether or not this part of Jesus' truth is good for me or not. What are they saying? I don't fully trust him. That's why these high places still exist. Because they were wrestling with the same things we wrestle with today. Is God real even though I'm a part of this culture? Can I fully trust him? And many concluded they couldn't. The same is true today. Because we all tend to elevate things other than God to a place where we devote ourselves to them and sacrifice ourselves to them. We build our own high places, whether real or not, and God gets set aside. And it's happening everywhere. And if we're going to truly experience the fullness of God in our life, if we're going to become like those who truly lived for God in the past, instead of the multitudes of those who didn't, we have to make a decision. Are we going to believe in him or not? And are we going to believe in him enough to fully trust him or not? And the results of our life will then be indicated. Jesus talked to people like this in his day. You know, one of the things that people elevate to the place of God in their lives is money. You know that, right? Jesus talked more about money than anything else, and it wasn't because he needed a lot. Jesus talked more about money than anything else because he knew it was the number one replacement God in the world. We're built with an absolute need for God But when we don't know him, we have to replace him. And the number one replacement God is money. Why? Money promises security, but only God can really give it. Money promises worth and value and significance, but only God can really give it. And yet many people look to that. And so Jesus looked at people who had elevated money to a high place in their life. And look what he said in Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either he'll hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And he was talking to God's people who didn't really believe in him or didn't believe in him enough to fully trust him. And so they were saying, we believe in God, but our security is in money. We believe in God, but we're finding our value and significance in money. They were turning the church into a money place. You've heard about Jesus turning over the tables, right? And all that stuff. Because they were, they were talking about God, but they were living for a different God. Because you can't live for two gods. They were living for money. And he says, you've got to make your choice. 
Are you going to leave the high places or are you going to destroy them? Are you going to trust me or not? And it would determine the outcomes of their life. And I want you to realize we're battling with this in our world. We're battling this in our lives, each and every one of us, with different things. Because a God, a replacement God, is anything we look to, anything we trust, anything we pursue, anything we devote ourselves to, anything we follow, accept, or sacrifice for that should only be done for the true God. A God is anything we look to other than the one true God And people do it with all kinds of things, don't they? Yeah, people do it with money. But people also do it with religion. Did you know people look to religion in place of God in their lives? I mean, they love their rituals and their traditions and their music, their organs, that kind of stuff, instead of Jesus. Did you know some people don't really care if Jesus is there or not as long as they're comfortable there. Their religion becomes their God. Other people replace God with their dreams. And you know they're replacing God with their dreams because they start compromising their integrity and their morality. They start compromising their beliefs in order to further their dreams. If I can't achieve my dream and my career with integrity, then I'll do it like everyone else does it, and I'll start compromising my integrity. Why? Because my dream has become my high place. This world is driven by people who've replaced the one true God with the God of their dream, and I'm going to tell you what's at the end of your journey. Disappointment, regret, and emptiness. Because you're going to become like the God you pursue And any dream without God at the center of it is temporary and empty. Other people replace God with people. They desperately need people. They desperately need people to love them, to accept them, to recognize them. Others replace God with pleasure and the pursuit of pleasure, which is why dysfunctional morality is going on all over the world. Other people replace God with their possessions and their homes or their accomplishments. And on and on it goes. And you need to know that this is a problem we wrestle with and it's a problem every human being ever since the beginning has wrestled with. In fact, the problem with everyone who failed in the Bible is this problem. They replaced the one true God with other gods. They they built the wrong high places in their life. They looked to and trusted and pursued and worshipped and sacrificed to something or someone other than the one true God. And as a result, they lost everything they were looking for and longing for. This is a huge deal. The same is true today. The same wrestling match is going on. This is why, did you know, that the road to destruction is so populated and the road to life has so little traffic on it. It's because the road to destruction is the road that worships at other high places, easier high places, worships replacement gods. And that's very accepted in our world. And most of us, because we're trying to be, you know, accepted in this world, set aside the real God to be accepted in this world. And we're on the road to destruction. Very few are on that narrow road that leads to life because that narrow road is narrow. It demands that you worship God exclusively, that you destroy all other high places, that you make him your point and can I just give you a fact we trust and obey that which we make our God 
I promise you, even if you say you don't believe in the one true God, you have replaced him with something and that's what you trust and obey. Whether your philosophy or your pursuits or dreams, whatever it is, you've replaced him and you trust and obey that replacement God. Every life story boils down to the same thing. What we do with the high places, what we do with the high places. And here's what you need to know. We all have the high places. We've all replaced God, every one of us, for all have sinned and fall short of God. We've all worshiped and devoted ourselves and followed the wrong gods. Every one of us has. That's not the issue. The issue is this. What do we do with those high places now? It's not a question of whether we've ever built them. It's not a question of whether or not they exist in our lives like that high place exists in Petra. The question is, what do we do with them now? Are we going to destroy them or not? Are we going to leave them there or not? All the characters that we've studied in this series lived amazing lives for God because they tore down the high places. Gideon, David, Hezekiah, Elijah, Nehemiah, they tore them down. But isn't it interesting? We can basically do on a hand or two all the people that ever did amazing things for God because those are the only ones that ever destroyed the high places and worshiped God exclusively. We have to ask ourselves, what do we want out of life? For it to be pretty comfortable? For it to be fun? For us to go out with a bang? Okay. It's just that that will never lead you where you want to go. Today, the same thing is going on. The people who tear down the high places and live exclusively for God stand in stark contrast to the multitudes of people around them. In order to live for God, you have to swim against the current of the culture. In order to live for God, you have to stand out as unique. You cannot be one of the crowd because the crowd's always going the wrong way. Most of us, because of that, like Joash, we don't want to fight that. We don't want to, you know, always be at war and in conflict. We don't want to be standing out. And so we make room for the high places. We, we might do a lot of the right things and we might say a lot of the right things, but we make room for the high places. We don't tear them down. We compromise. But if we're going to live lives of significance like those we've been learning about in this series, we have to get rid of the high places. We have to stop believing that replacement gods can offer the life that only the one true God can offer. We have to stop believing that there's anything in this world that can replace our deep need for the one true God who can meet that need. We have to stop believing that the reason God's told us no to some things is because he's trying to make our lives small and boring and diminished and unproductive. We have to start realizing that the reason God commands us to do certain things and not to do certain things is to enlarge and expand our lives and to help us move forward. And so in the spirit of that, I want to give you the, the truth that I just can't escape from the high place. And here it is. God asks us to remove all other high places because he wants something for us, not something from us. God asks us to worship him alone exclusively and God asks us to tear down all the other high places in our lives, not to get something from us, not to make us smaller, not to put us in a box, but 
to give something to us, life and life to the full. Look at John 10.10. Jesus said it, the thief, the one who comes and tries to get you to believe that the one true God isn't all you need, that there are many gods, you just have to be sincere, that it's okay, that you know, God's truth isn't necessarily you know, the way to freedom. And the thief... He's just coming to steal, to kill, and destroy. He wants to rob you of everything God created you for. But then Jesus says, but I've come that you may have life and have it to the full. You'll never have life and life to the full if you ever live for a replacement God or stop tearing down the high places. Never. If it is not Jesus only for you, then you really have nothing of Jesus a big deal and so we have to ask ourselves a question whoa if I have to tear down these high places so that I can experience the fullness of God in my life I've got to know what those are right I mean I have to know what they are each of us has to ask the question what are my high places what are those places where I'm lifting things up to the status that God should have in my life And I'm going to tell you, it's going to be different for each of us because we're all different. You know, some of you care deeply about money. I mean, money. Others of you don't even care about it. It's not a big deal. Some of you care deeply about other people's love and recognition of you and acceptance of you. I mean, you care deeply about that. Others of you don't care at all about that and you're easy to identify I might add (laughs) but we all we all have different needs and drives and dysfunctions and so we all have different high places mine will be different than yours but we have to identify what are your high places what are those things that you lift up higher and value more than you should what are those things that you look to that you should only be looking to God for what are they And and there's a second question. What is it that we ultimately are sacrificing for in life? We're all sacrificing in life, right? We're all sacrificing. We're all devoting ourselves to things because all of us have this need for God, this need for something bigger. We're all going to worship something. What is it that we're worshiping and sacrificing for? God or something else? It's an interesting question, isn't it? Because we sacrifice to our God if our God's a God that demands we throw a baby on fire then we human beings are so bizarre proven from history time and time and time again that if we really believe that's our God what will we do we'll we'll do it it's crazy because we sacrifice for that which we believe to be our God even if it's a crazy thing if you really believe it you do it But what are you sacrificing for? God or something else? And the the typical answer is, in a a place like this, well, I'm sacrificing for God. I'm sitting here listening to you, bored to death, aren't I? You know, I mean, I'm sacrificing for God. Well, let me ask you if that's real or not. Because we sacrifice for our God. Those who have replacement gods sacrifice everything for them. So let me ask you, what are you sacrificing for God if that's who you're sacrificing for? Let's just talk about time for a minute, the most precious resource we have, time. 
How much time did you sacrifice for God this last week? I mean, really, I mean, a couple hours every morning, getting up early before you had to because that's who you're living for and you wanted to spend time with him? No. A couple of minutes every day, maybe, in his word, listening to him talk, you know, what you... No. Well, if we're not sacrificing for him, I guess he's not our God. Sacrificing your energy, sacrificing your service, sacrificing your talents, sacrificing anything financially for your God, most aren't. Do you know most who sing, dear Jesus, you've got it all, don't give a dime to him? You sacrifice for your God. What are you investing your time in? What are you investing your money in? What are you investing your think time in? What are you investing your downtime in? What? If not God, then you're on your way to finding your high place. That which is destroying your relationship with him and your whole point of life. Now, just before I kind of finish this talk, I've got a question for you. How are you doing so far? Everybody good? Don't you like these... Don't you like these fluffy, gentle, encouraging, feel-good talks? Don't you love them? Isn't it awesome? I mean, don't you want to just come and be made to feel so much better about yourself, huh? Why do you think we let you have coffee in the auditorium? Because that's the only thing that's going to make you comfortable here, I guess. I don't know. Let, Let me just remind you of something. It's the truth that sets us free, not the lies we're told. It's the truth that sets us free. Lies can feel good, but they're lies. Truth can feel really horrible, but it's truth. And it can set us free. And I believe God wants us to know freedom. And so here's the application. If we want to experience life to the full, since we were made with an absolute need for God in our lives, if we want to experience life to the full, then we need to make God our exclusive high place. He needs to be our exclusive high place. I mean, we need to go in and change our Facebook status. Right? In a relationship, it's exclusive. (laughs) Jesus, you know? Mark 8, 36. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world? And forfeit his soul. It's no good at all. And this is what you do when you live in the high places. Matthew 6.33. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be given to you as well. You want life to be what you long for it to be. You long for it to be what God created to be. And you can never experience that without him. He must be what you seek first exclusively you know the whole premise of the bible and the whole premise of christianity is that jesus is the only god who lives up to his promise that's the that's the whole premise jesus is the only god who lives up to his promise he's the only living god he's the creator of the world if you're not finding that your life is living up to the promise it's because you're not worshiping the right god And it's time 
to worship the right God. To destroy the high places and to let God meet your needs. If you want to experience life to the full, then you need to know you're going to worship something. You're going to have some God you're devoted to in your life and you sacrifice for. But if it's not the right God, you're never going to experience the right reality. And so what you need to do, first of all, I'll give you two action steps. What you need to do, first of all, is you need to turn to him for salvation. He needs to become your salvation. Why do you need salvation? Because every single one of us has pursued the wrong gods and worshipped in the wrong high places and every single one of us has sinned and fallen short and the, the wage of that is we become like the gods we worship and they're dead, they're empty, they're worthless. But Jesus came so that he could die for as a consequence to our sin and then he could rise from the dead to fill us with new life but we need to turn to him for our salvation make him your God he's the way the truth and the life so just before I finish this talk I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite I'm going to ask if you'd all just kind of pray with me just for a moment bow your head and kind of contemplate if you're a believer already I would imagine you have some things you could talk to God about right now but if you've never taken the step to turn to Jesus to become your salvation this is your moment I'm, I'm going to pray and I'm going to invite you to take my words, but make them your own. The Bible says that salvation is found in no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved in Acts 4.12. Turn to him now. Just say, Jesus, I've replaced you in my life. I've, I've built other high places but it's left me absolutely and utterly empty. I need you. And so right now I'm turning to you and asking you to forgive me of my sin. That's why you died on the cross and to fill me with new life. That's why you rose again. Be my God. In Jesus' name, amen. If you just prayed with me, just before I finish the talk, I really want to encourage you, please let us know. There is absolutely nothing you can do as a bigger encouragement to me or anyone else in this ministry than to tell us you just took a step to trust Jesus. Because that's why we exist. We're here to wake the world up to Jesus and we'd love to know that that happened. And so easy to tell us in your program there's this connection card. You just rip it out, fill it out and on the bottom check that circle it says that you prayed to receive Jesus just now and, and uh, that's a great way to encourage us. But it's not just to encourage us. We've put together information to help you take next steps in your relationship with God and we need to know you prayed. And so if you did, there are boxes at every exit of our gathering places. Just throw it in them as you're leaving and we'll do the rest. We'll send you that information. And if you're watching online, hit the what next button and we'll do the same thing for you. There's one last action step. If we're going to experience the fullness of life he designed for us, then look at what Romans chapter 12 verses one and two says has to happen. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, Romans is all about how Jesus sacrificed himself for us to give us God's love and, and new life. And he says, in view of what Jesus did for us, here's what I'm encouraging you to do. Offer your bodies back to him as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to him. That's true worship, not singing a song, not saying you're a Christian, but actually giving your life as a sacrifice to him, making him your God. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. What's the world do? They replace him and build high places. 
They let the high places exist. Don't do it. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind and then look at the result. You'll be able to test and approve, demonstrate, bear out in your life what God's will is. It's good, pleasing, and perfect. Do you know why we replace God in our lives? Because we have a need for God if we're going to know a life that's good, a life that's pleasing, and a life that's perfect. The problem is any other God will never, ever get us there. It will all end in disappointment. But when you make him your God and him your high place, then all of a sudden you experience his will. And you know what his will is for you? Good, pleasing, and perfect. But he has to be your God, the one you worship. So the last thing you need to do is you need to turn to him in surrender. Turn to him in full surrender because when you've turned to him for salvation and you've turned to him for full surrender, you get to experience him in fullness. And it's what you were created for. We were created with an absolute need for God and when we have him, we have life and life to the full. I'm so thankful you were here. See you next time.